Hello, everybody, and welcome to Culture, Conflict, and Cocktails, where I slowly get more intoxicated and explain popular TV shows from the early 2000s. Okay, I'm going to try to do this part better. In revising this past episode, I hit some weird amplify effect, clean, scrub, com- I did something that, to my hearing, messed up the recording, and I, one, do not know how to fix it, and two, do not want to re-record 19 minutes of something that I originally recorded when I was less than sober, because that's where a lot of my verve comes from, and I don't know how I would organically replicate that. So the recording is what it is, and I'm not thrilled about it, but I also don't want to go back and do it again, and I don't want to edit it anymore to where it will be even worse than it is. So fair warning, I don't know how it'll come out on radio speakers, but this is not, this doesn't sound super clean to me. It also occurs to me that I have like a total of seven listeners. When you start to learn an instrument, the instructor will often say it's not, it's okay to not hit every note. You just have to keep playing. And then over time, you're, even though you know that you're doing the wrong thing, you still have to continue doing it. If you stop every two or three notes, then you won't get to that sense of understanding where your brain begins to fill in the gaps for the mistakes. So you're automatically aware of where you're screwing up, but your brain sort of bridges that gap. Like, oh, okay, let's not do this next time. If I try to go back and refix everything, then I'm not going to be able to move on and get better at this whole recording thing. Again, with the warning and the apology, there's some good tidbits in there. It just doesn't sound super clean. So I would turn my radio down just a little bit until you get a good, his voice doesn't sound super insufferable. Thanks, guys. Episode 7. It's a crap episode. Stupid. It. Alright. We have another shoot-in. We've got a good plot and a bad plot, and we don't know how to fill 22 minutes. We don't know where we're going with the writing, so we're just gonna, like, move the story along by making it another week. Marshall and Lily find a large rodent in their apartment, and they run from it, and one of them thinks it's a cockroach, the other one thinks it's a mouse, so they call it a cockamouse, and there's this whole thing about catching it for science, and then they find out it flies, and so Marshall throws it out the window, and everybody's scared, and it's really weird. Dumb plot. There's no no substance to it. It's a little bit of Jason Siegel being too hammy, but other, there's nothing going on there. Barney convinces Ted to go on essentially eHarmony to find his love match. And this is where you get the, there's like a nugget. There's just this one scene that I appreciate, but the rest of the episode doesn't do anything for me. The woman that runs the eHarmony website says that there are fewer fish in the sea than Ted thinks. If there are 9 million people in New York and half of them are women, you're talking about 4.5 million women. Slightly less than a million of those are in Ted's age bracket between 22 and 32, which older women, younger women, I mean, 22, yeah, that's a good, once, in your, once you're in your adult life, 22 is a good, 21, 22, like, you're going to miss out on certain cultural references and that your personalities are not going to get along the way that you think you are. But take a 
take a date up to 36 and that wouldn't be he's 27 once you're past 25 10 years means nothing older not younger so there are 500,000 women who are in ted's age bracket and then she starts well you want somebody who's the same education of you you want somebody who's an equivalent level of humor economic values cultural values that sort of thing so the dating pool gets smaller and smaller based on compatibility she does not mention attractiveness or lifestyle choices, that sort of thing. Ted's very clean-cut, 9-to-5 job guy. He's not going to fall for somebody covered in tattoos who works as a bartender or a stripper or something like that. She essentially gets down to there are eight single women between 20 and 30 that Ted will genuinely get along with over time, which when you're on a bunch of dating apps, that's sometimes how it feels. That you've got all of these options, but out of all of these options, here's who's funny, here's who's educated, here's who's pretty, here's all of these things that you end up looking for in a partner that you want to spend a period of time with, as opposed to just a night or a weekend. So eHarmony Lady lets Ted know that his number one match is already in a relationship with a guy who is slightly less compatible, but still equally compatible as Ted is. So Ted steals the information off of her laptop and goes to find this woman, hits on her, which is super weird. Because it's super weird. That's, you don't, to go after somebody who is evidently taken. That's not cool. So this is the first example of jerk Ted, which is going to happen more and more. So I think this is a good introduction to men not being themselves 100% of the time. Ted is a good guy. He does want to find love. He sometimes just want to, wants to get banged. He enjoys a good round of beers, but he's also in different moments a jerk. He runs out of patience. He's do, He doesn't want to be himself for the night. And as a result of that, he makes bad decisions or he will intentionally sabotage himself because he spent the rest of the week being a good guy and now it's no longer time to be a good guy. Ted goes to hit on this woman who is not only in a relationship, she says she's engaged and she's getting married over the weekend and Ted thinks he's still not out of, he still has a shot, which just gets even worse. The end of the episode, the eHarmony lady says that she has to shut her business down because she was bragging about 100% success rate and she can't find anyone for Ted and Ted's like, that's not possible. So, Ted has to make a speech to the lady that it's not the eight women who I'm compatible with. You can find compatibility or, you know, sometimes the the thing that you think you want isn't what you need. And math and statistics and a computer are certainly not going to tell you that love is not something that you can put down into a formula. So I think that was a really redeeming speech at the end. And Ted says that, you know, despite online dating, I'm going to go out and keep trying to find someone who I will make compatibility with. I do like that part, but the just at the very end of the episode. Decisions that don't go well, Ted scoffs at. He's like, well, I'm not a weirdo. I'm not going to join online dating, which I think more people find their relationship, couple, match, whatever, through online dating than through organic means nowadays. So that hasn't aged well. Writing choice, this is in direct contrast to the last episode where Ted sits and waits. Jerk Ted decides to go out and make his own destiny. It not blows up in his face, but he ends up looking like a jackass. 
this does demonstrate Ted not knowing what to do. We're not knowing how to trust the process. He went from, I'm going to sit on a rooftop for five hours to, I'm going to steal personal information off of a computer and do what I need to do to fall in love because I'm so desperate to do so. so Ted is a dog chasing a car and it's not a good look for him. He, he doesn't know what it means to be ready to be in a relationship. Ted's mentality towards the eight people out of 4.5 million people versus love isn't a formula in a computer. This had a good premise around it and very little follow through. Drink break. I'd say energy wise, the starting cast knows that this episode isn't a, this is again, another filler. This is a topic that we essentially had to hit in order to get on to the actual I think season one, I think the first half of season one is the worst because the show doesn't know what it wants to be, what lessons. If it is trying to throw these really hard-hitting relationship, this is what love looks like, this is compatibility, this is finding the person that you're supposed to and how you're supposed to love them, then how are they getting a ABC family, like how are they getting across these life lessons? Or is this a fun, throwaway, laugh track, goofy show that you just kind of throw on in the background? The writers are attempting to balance how much substance they want the show to have. So they're trying to shoehorn goofy, fun, mythical creatures and whatever the heck Barney's up to with Ted and Robin trying to understand who they are in their adult lives and what they want out of their relationships. The cockroach story really is a dumb one and a bit of a waste of time. That's episode seven. Episode eight is also dumb. So we're going to just cram that. Let's go even faster. Narrator Ted says, let's talk about the apartment and the lovely memories that I had there. There's no there's no women in How I Met Your Mother. There's nothing. This is a total throwaway episode. Good grief. Apparently, Lily has an apartment, even though she hasn't been there in three months. So when she goes to visit... They have turned her apartment into a Chinese restaurant, which is super weird because did they have to knock out some wall? How big was this apartment that it's able to fit X amount of people and function as a, where do they put the kitchen? It, so that doesn't make any freaking sense, but that's just sort of a punchline. So Ted's like, well, why don't you move in with us? You've essentially been living here. We didn't even know that you had an apartment. And Barney and Robin put into Ted's head, that now that Lily lives there, she's going to make it her space and it's not going to be Marshall and Ted's space. So Lily's going to make different choices that Ted's not going to like and he's eventually going to be pushed out because Marshall and Lily are engaged and Ted has to essentially find a new place. This gets to Ted and he starts being more and more passive aggressive. So there's not a lot of healthy communication going on between him and Marshall. They should just talk about it and hear our expectations. Here we are as roommates. They've been living together for nine years, and Ted just decides to throw a hissy fit over the opinions of two people who kind of know Marshall, which is real dumb. So there's no substance. There's no acting choice in the second half of the episode. So Ted labels his food, and Lily moves in some appliances from her old apartment to the guy's apartment, which Ted doesn't like. So he buys like a 600-pound English phone booth, and Ted and Marshall end up sword fight. There are swords on the wall that Lily wants to take down. A sword fight, a table collapses, and Marshall stabs Lily. Har, har, har. The other plot line is Barney is 
running plays. This is the introduction to Barney specifically doing things that are deceitful to trick women into dating them. This is a very innocent introduction to the play calling. On his date, he realizes that he's not going to be able to sleep with this woman or she's particularly annoying. She has an annoying voice. What? When you meet somebody, you can already tell that there's not going to be a second date. And he says, well, why can't you like returning a movie or a car or a like an insurance policy? Why can't you just be upfront and tell people, yeah, this isn't going to go anywhere. I don't want to ruin your evening and I don't want to waste anybody's time. So I'm just going to go like, here's an evident reason that I am not going to get along with you. You're racist or smelly or you gain a lot of weight from the last time you took your pictures. That's happened to me a handful of times. Or you're Republican. It also happened to me. And that's happened to almost every single woman I've gone on a first date with. Barney calls it the lemon law. So Barney's on a date with a woman 10 feet from Robin. And the lady sounds like this. Clearly just hamming it up. Do pe- Can people sound like that? Can that be someone's default voice setting? Barney says, Linda or Floozy? You're going to be part of history tonight. And he lemon laws her, and I think she throws a drink in his face. And so he does it like two more times. And at the end of the episode, Barney gets lemon lawed because he makes a sexual innuendo in the first five minutes. And she says, yeah, that's not what I'm out here to do. I think that that's a little progressive. How we're, How often are you on a date and it's not going well? It's not going well early. Or you f- have hit your red flag limit and you realize that this isn't going anywhere. The, you're just not compatible for whatever reason, superficial or not, and you just want to go. You come up with an excuse. Do you lie? Do you finagle? Do you sit it out? So too many times I have heard stories of friends soldiering through, like, you know, oh, it's only like another hour to... Your time is precious. The amount of other things that you could be doing or enjoying yourself with your own time that you've chosen to waste it with somebody that you're not... To choose to not have a good time is ridiculous to me. Have I gone on dates longer than I should have? Yeah, you don't want to hurt a stranger's feelings, but there should be a more cultural understanding of, like, not everybody's going to get along with everybody, and that's fine. So it was nice to have met you, or it wasn't, or at least the weather is lovely, and I'm going to go home now. I offended the crap out of a Susan because I told her that I wasn't having a good time and was not going to renew my parking meter. So when it expired, I was just going to go. That was as honest as I could be. And I don't feel bad about it. It, I didn't say anything that was untoward. And I didn't, I don't have the memory of sitting there hating the time that I spent wishing that time would move faster so that I could get to the end of the date. In the show, the result of this, Robin is on the other side of the coin for Barney. You can't know somebody in five minutes. There's no way that you... Bullshit. There are ugly people. There are smelly people. There are loud people. There are rude people. There are there are plenty of people that you're not going to get along with. To put on a brave face and, or a, a polite face and j- pretend to get along with people who... Most people suck. Most people... I... I 
and I know a number of optimists who truly believe that most people do not suck, which is fine, and they have many more friends and phone numbers in their phone than I do, but in my opinion, not everybody is for everybody. And when you find those people, as opposed to any other word, that you're not going to get along with, you you know, you avoid those people. I, I don't want to eat foods that don't taste good to me. I don't want to listen to songs that hurt my ears. I don't want to sit across from people who I'm not going to enjoy the company of. Is that offensive? Many people are going to say probably. I don't care. Barney puts Robin to the test and sets him up with this guy from Freaks and Geeks. He's never been the headliner of anything. He is not an attractive dude, but he gives it his all. Just episode, like kudos to him for being an ugly B actor who refuses to leave Hollywood because he does get roles. I see him in something probably once a month. So good for him. But he wears the same goofy glasses and he usually has long hair and he is not an attractive man. But he goes out with Robin. He takes her to an alien-themed bar with alien-themed drinks, and he speaks Klingon to her, and Robin's trying her hardest to prove Barney wrong, not have a good time or get to know him at all. But in a read-the-room sort of way, he doesn't pick an activity that he thinks she would enjoy. They go out for a drink at something that is entirely his personality, not hers. And they aren't compatible. It's super hyperbolized that he speaks Klingon like he is that nerdy, that upfront, unapologetically. And Robin is this normal looking, non nerd looking person. And he's like, all right, well, this is my A game. I'm going to go to the weirdest restaurant that I can possibly think of. That's dumb. But the show does point out to Robin that. You can't just say yes to everybody and then find out you've made a mistake later. You do need to have standards in general. That's the only thing that I can take away from this episode. I did find some notes on a different page that I did want to add in. Amidst the sword fight between Ted and Marshall, Marshall does have a very interesting characterizing speech for Ted saying that If Ted wanted to be engaged or married by now, he definitely would have been, but he isn't because he's irrationally picky, he's easily distracted, and he's anadonic, which Marshall then explains means Ted doesn't know how to have a good time, which resonated with me. What does a good time look like? When you're out there searching for somebody else, how well do you have to know yourself in order to be aware of these are the things that I find fun, these are things out of my comfort zone? This is what I'm willing to do in order to show my whole self to somebody else. So it early Ted doesn't know what that looks like. So he is being sort of a boyfriend chameleon. And because he can't have fun, how can he show that off to anybody else that he is capable of or he's fun to be around? He would be a fun person to date. The nugget of the episode is that the fight wasn't about the apartment at all. It was about the concept of change and not just Ted changing apartments, but maybe Ted needing to change himself in order to take that next step into who he has yet to become. He has the impression that he is his adult self and he, in actuality, has much more growing to do. A real sour note about the episode is that there is a ton of laugh track. 
a lot of the jokes don't land between the characters. So they have to fill that in because they realize the jokes suck and they don't have time to rewrite any of it. So they just soldier through. I think the hallmark of any really bad sitcom episode is when you can tell that there's a bunch of laugh track. You need to be told when to think certain thoughts in the episode instead of letting the writing do it for you. The very last scene is dinner in the Chinese restaurant that Lil so they bring it back to the beginning of the episode, which is fine. One thing that I need to point out is that Barney or Neil Patrick Harris is purposefully not correctly using chopsticks. So you can see him pick up and drop a dumpling like four times before stabbing it with a chopstick. This is something that I noticed years ago in my second or third viewing. It's a specific actor choice of his to screw up and in season one. So I wonder why he makes that choice so early because it's in every single season. Barney having to use basic rudimentary tools for things. That's interesting that Neil Patrick Harris chose to do it so early without fully understanding his character bar. So I wonder what his rationale for choosing to do that was. Essentially, we're at the end of the episode and I'm at the end of my uh, ability to talk without coughing. Two, I don't, I don't like doing the two dud episodes in a row. We got to find a way to fast forward those more. If you're sticking with me, thanks for sticking with me. Have a good afternoon. Mm-hmm.